This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted to be here with you today. Uh, For most of you, by the time you hear this, and of course not for my Patreon community because they get to hear podcasts early, as as soon as I've completed recording and editing the episode, basically. But for most of you, uh, by the time you hear this, I will be gone. Or possibly I will have been gone and returned, depending on where in the weekly cycle you listen to the podcast. Do you listen to it the day that it drops? Or do you wait a few days? Um, but if you are listening to it the day that it comes out or the day after, then I will be gone or just on the cusp of getting back from a spontaneous long weekend away with my husband. Um, So I don't know if you guys outside of New Jersey follow this news, and I don't see why you would. But it would appear that, uh, you know, a number of beaches in New Jersey are are being closed or or warnings are being advised because of, and I am not making this up, um, fecal contamination which are just two words that you do not want to hear when you're about to get in the water. Now, I will say that my husband and I, um, we have some particular favorite spots on the Jersey Shore when we decide to take a beach day. And none of those spots so far have been closed or flagged due to fecal contamination. But I, I, I cannot get the phrase out of my mind. And it's, you know, New Jersey's not that big. Maybe it's because I come from Florida. Florida is a very long state with a lot of beaches. So if there's a problem, you know, on a beach, let's say in in the Tampa Bay area, I mean, that's just a whole different body of water. It's a different side of the state. And it's way north from, say, beaches in Miami Beach and vice versa. If you hear about a problem in Miami Beach and you're in Tampa Bay, you probably don't really have anything to worry about. Um, I just feel, you know, when I look at the map, um, that it seems like everything is too close. I'm not sure how isolated the fecal contamination issue can actually be. And I'm sorry to keep repeating that phrase. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, it, you know, having said that, it is beach. It is the summer. It is beach season. Um, I, as I said to Lawrence, I said, you know, what I would really actually feel good about doing is, is getting into water that I can see through, like, like the water that I grew up in, where I can see into the water and it's not quite as dark and, and swirly as the water up here. So we found a very inexpensive last minute Caribbean vacation kind of a thing, uh, because of course it is the off season for the Caribbean. So we were able to find a good deal for like a last minute weekend away, and that is what we were going to do. And I am particularly excited about this trip because for the first time, uh, we have a very dear friend uh, who, a friend of my husband's actually since his childhood, who lives in New Jersey, obviously, and who is also a cat lover and has daughters. 
And one of those daughters who, who is a, a, a cat lover and cat guardian herself is going to take a break from her roommates and come and stay here this weekend. And I'm sure you guys can appreciate this. It is always a source of incredible guilt for me when I leave my cats for any length of time, more so even than it was with Homer, Vashti, and Scarlet, because even Homer, as as into me as he was, as attached to me as he was, it wasn't so much that Homer was it was was not a cat who was desperate for attention. Um, Clayton really is a cat who is desperate for attention. He needs as much of it as he can get from anybody he can get it from, basically. And I just always feel bad. And we have a wonderful, wonderful pet sitter who lives nearby. And when she comes over, she doesn't just, you know, put down food and clean the litter box and, and get out. She spends time. She hangs out. Uh, Fanny is is very, very shy with new people. So I feel bad for Fanny in that sense, because Fanny does need attention too, not as much as Clayton, but Fanny will only accept attention from people she knows. So, and and knows well. Uh, just to give you a frame of reference, it took her literally about five years to feel that she knew our pet sitter well enough that she was willing to come down and let him pet her when he visited. Um, and he has since retired. So now we have a new pet sitter. And even though she's been our pet sitter for coming up on a year, I, I think as far as Fanny's concerned, she's still new people. It'll be interesting to see actually when somebody is staying in the house, if Fanny warms up at that point or or if it is just going to still take more time. It'll be an interesting experiment. But she's already been to the house. She has met Clayton. She and Clayton hit it off famously. And I'm really just so, so thrilled for Clayton that he is going to have somebody here staying with him and paying attention to him and giving him his three meals a day. That's the other thing. You know, Clayton eats three times a day. Uh, but of course, we do not pay a pet sitter to come three times a day because that would be a little banana. So she comes once in the morning and once at night. And so Clayton, who is not used to doing that, you know, his whole eating schedule gets disrupted. Um, the only thing I did have to warn our friend's daughter who's going to be staying here about is that my cats are used to eating no later than 5.30 a.m. And they they get very, what's the word? They get very shirty if you make them wait what they feel to be an unreasonable amount of time past their 5.30 a.m. feeding time. Um, Fanny has a dry food feeder that she can feed herself with whenever she wants to, but it is in the bedroom because that the the top of the dresser in the the bedroom or the top of the armoire is the only place that Fanny can get to that Clayton cannot and Clayton cannot is not allowed to free feed dry food because of a long-standing issue actually this is something that that happened once a very long time ago but it made enough of an impression that I've never been willing to risk it again and that of course is his um you know, is his, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His urinary tract blockage that developed because he was eating too much dry food, which is really something they do not warn you sufficiently about with male cats, I think. But if you have a male cat, you should be aware that for some cats, it is actually very dangerous to have them on a mostly or predominantly dry food diet because of the possibility of crystals forming in their urinary tract, which can happen to any cat. 
but male cats urethras are much narrower than female cats and so this is something that only happens to well not only only i don't want to say that maybe you have a female cat who this might be an issue for that is certainly something to discuss with your vet but generally speaking something that 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 typically happens with male cats and that frankly i feel veterinarians or at least the veterinarians whom i have seen over the years do not take enough time to warn cat owners about uh, because it's one of those. It's very, very treatable, but it's a condition that that pops up very quickly and can be very quickly life threatening and can look a lot like constipation or just be hard to figure out if, if you're not sure what you're looking for. I am still in. I thought Clayton was constipated, and I really was not going to bring him to the to the emergency vet in the middle of the night because I, oh, you know, he's constipated. If he's still constipated in the morning, I'll bring him in for an enema or whatever treatment they they would have prescribed. And it was really only because he he just seemed so uncomfortable, and I felt so sorry for him that I took him at eleven o'clock to the emergency vet, eleven o'clock at night feeling somewhat foolish as I did so. And so I, this is something that, that I really, you know, it, it is through the sheerest luck, I guess. Um, or if I had been a slightly different kind of person or not as much of a sucker when it comes to my cats as I am, it's just unbearable to see them uncomfortable at all. And I would much rather at the time that was my thinking, you know what, I would much rather go to the vet now and just pay whatever ridiculous amount I have to pay because I'm going to the emergency vet rather than my regular vet. Um, instead of letting him live with this overnight, I'm just not going to be able to sleep knowing he's so miserable. And thank God that I did, because if I had waited until morning, he would have been dead. Um, so this is definitely something to be aware of. And again, this happened with Clayton a long time ago, but made a sufficient impression that since then we are very, very careful and restrictive with the amount of dry food that Clayton is allowed to eat. I usually sprinkle just a little bit on top of his wet food so that he gets a little bit of crunch, which is good for his teeth, um, but but really just a little bit. Fanny, on the other hand, for various reasons over the years, I, I've come to the decision does well having free access to dry food whenever she wants it. Um, Fanny was always very, very skinny and very nervous all the time and had a lot of problem with, you know, speaking of fecal contamination with loose stools and things like that. Um, as since we put her, uh, since I gave her free access to dry food, she has gained a little bit of weight, which in her case is a, is a good thing. Not so much in Clayton's case, who's, um, a little, a little bit of a chubby boy. Um, but Fanny is a very skinny girl, and she's still pretty skinny. She's just not as bony looking. So she seems to look and feel better. And I know that dry food is generally, you know, cats are obligate carniv carnivores. Their ideal diet um, is one with wet food and, and not dry food. I, I really do understand all the arguments against it. Um, we do use a high-quality grain-free dry food, but at, at the end of the day, you know, you sometimes – have to have to I mean, you know, listen to your gut, I guess. Um, Fanny is just visibly happier and healthier looking on a dry food diet. And so that's where we are at this point. But this brings us all back around to the fact that Fanny's dry food is kept in the bedroom and Clayton. So he she does not have access to it if the bedroom door is closed. And Clayton is used to eating at 530 in the morning. Um 
generally speaking, at a certain point in the night, I will, you know, both cats leave and I close the door specifically because if I happen to sleep through 530, usually I get up at five. Sometimes I wake up as late as 530. Very rarely, but, you know, maybe a handful of times in a month, I will sleep until six or even 630. When that happens, um, I like being able to sleep a little later, it is, uh, it, it's nice, basically. Uh, for someone who always gets up at five o'clock in the morning to sleep until six or 6.30 feels like incredible luxury <laughs> to me. Um, it is a luxury, however, that is completely spoiled by the cats, uh, particularly Clayton, specifically, um, just sitting next to my ear and screeching like a howler monkey until I wake up to feed him. And if for whatever reason I don't wake up immediately, then he goes to wake up Lawrence. So generally, you know, the cats are kind of in and out of the bedroom all night, but usually sometime around 3 a.m. I just kind of close the bedroom door. Um, it's very close to the bed, so it's easy for me to do without fully waking up. And that way I know that the cats are not going to disturb me or my husband. And closing the door is especially important in the summer when it's, when we have the air conditioning on. We live in a very old house. We do not have central air. We have a wall unit in the bedroom. And to keep that cold air in, generally speaking, we want to close the door at some point. I have strongly advised our, our friend's daughter who is going to be staying here that if she is not the kind of person who wakes up at 5 or 5.30 in the morning and let's assume she is not yet <laughs> or perhaps never even will be as crazy as I am. So I, I have strongly advised her to, you know, however she starts out with the cats, if they are sleeping with her or whatever the case may be, to at some point um, make sure they're out and that she has the door closed because they are – just going to bother the heck out of her. And it will be interesting to see how that all goes. I, I will be looking forward to hearing from her upon my return and see if my cats behave themselves or not. I'm, I'm betting that they won't, um, but we will see. And, you know, it's interesting. So my, my pet sitter basically knows the drill and there's really nothing especially complicated in dealing with my cats. But every time somebody new comes to stay with them, I, I write something up to, to give them kind of a lay of the land and, and let them know how stuff in the house works and blah, blah. Um, and then, you know, whatever it is that the cat, <laughs> that the cats are, are into these days always has to be noted for the pet sitter. For example, um, our friend to our, our friend's daughter who's coming to stay is allergic to peanuts. So needless to say, she is not going to be able to distribute peanuts to the squirrels on the back deck like I do. Um, she could hypothetically give them something else, but, but the squirrels now have pretty much lost their fear of me, although they are still afraid of Lawrence and other people. I, you know, but I'm not sure if they would be able to distinguish between me and somebody else of, let's say, you know, you know, a, another woman who is coming to stay here. I mean, Lawrence and me, they can really see a clear physical difference between. Um, but I don't want her in a position where she's opening the door to feed the squirrels and the squirrels are getting very close to the door. And Clayton is also very curious about the squirrels and nobody gets past me. But I, I'm thinking that I don't want to put her in the position of being a squirrel goalie while I'm gone. Or God forbid, if a squirrel were to get into the <laughs> into the house while I wasn't here, um, that would be pretty awful. So, 
you know, the squirrels are, are going to go a few days. I, I've been kind of weaning them off of the peanuts over the course of the week, just so that they get used to not hanging around. Cause I, I don't, I'm not worried at all about them finding other food. I, I, I don't give them that many peanuts that they could afford to live lives of squirrel leisure and not go hunt for food in other places. So I'm not worried about them fending for themselves while I'm gone, but they they do know how to beg. And they've certainly learned that I can be guilted pretty easily into coughing up a couple of extra peanuts. And so I, I've been trying to wean them off over the course of the week so that my friend's daughter who's staying here does not have, you know, three or four squirrels peeping into the windows and and making her feel terribly, terribly guilty about not feeding them. Um, the the main downside of this, of course, is that this is Clay- Clayton's favorite occupation. And this really is why I have persisted in feeding the squirrels. He is, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say he enjoys watching them on the deck. I don't really know how to describe the feeling that whatever feeling it is that he gets in watching them, because I know that he wants to kill them. <laughs> I know that is, you know, the hunter in him is is what is watching them so obsessively and so closely. And he is very, very involved in what is happening in our backyard. I also got a big bag of like a like a bird seed. Um, so I don't put it into a feeder, but I'll scatter out a few handfuls, you know, once a week or so to to give the birds a little bit of an extra reason to hang out in our yard or hop around on our back deck. And this is this is Clayton's daytime occupation. And I've really noticed over the course of the last few days, as I've been winnowing off of that, and, and as, you know, fewer squirrels and birds are spending less time on our back deck and in our backyard, uh, Clayton, is he's spending a lot more time sleeping, which I guess is to be expected. Uh, but he is also, you know, sort of at loose ends. This is really typically what occupies his morning hours. Um, and, and again, the point being that with the squirrels not hanging out, because the squirrels kind of start lining up on the back deck at around 5.30. So the only shot my friend's daughter might have at Clayton not waking her at 5.30 would be if he was watching the squirrels waiting for me on the back deck. Um, but I think that that is probably not going to be the case. So... So I don't know. It should be interesting to see what happens. But I, I did make notes of this in, in the instructions that I left her. I also had to note, um, and I think I've talked about this a little bit before, you know, I mean, so Fanny has always been a cat who who's good with or or interested in doors. Um, she's, she's always been pretty good at figuring out how to open doors, although in this house, Less so than in our last house. In our last house, there there was basically like a railing that that allowed her to get up to door height at the bathroom and then manipulate the bathroom door open. Um, now in this house, it's harder for her to get up to the height of opening the you know turning the doorknob and opening the door. And by the way, I still think it's a pretty incredible thing for a cat to figure out by herself, how to open a door, how to turn a doorknob to open the door. Um, if any of you have had cats who have picked this up or mastered this art, I would love to hear from you. Um, but Fanny, who is not able really to open doors in this house like she used to open doors, has settled for being really into closing doors. Um, she, <laughs> she really 
particularly likes closing doors. She doesn't, she never closes doors on Lawrence, but I have noticed with me, like if I'm in um, my dress, you know, there's a dressing room off of the master bedroom in this house. And it, it is part of the little, little warren of rooms where I record this podcast. And there is a door that leads into this area from the master bedroom. And I will notice sometimes like I'll be in here, you know, brushing my teeth or something like that. And I look over and I kind of see Fanny lurking right outside the door and I'll say, hi, Fanny. Um, And then she jumps up on her hind legs and slams the door shut from the other side. So it's not like we're shut in together. I'm shut in. (laughs) Fanny is outside. This is something she's been doing more and more of late. I'm not really sure how I have offended her that she wants to lock me away. Although, in fairness, I should say that Fanny also has become fond of closing doors on herself. So she will lock herself in the guest bedroom. She will lock herself in the bathroom. When I say lock herself in, I don't mean literally the door is not locked. It's very, very easy for me to just open it. But Fanny herself is unable to do so. And it's something she does very deliberately. I do know that eventually she, she gets upset at being locked in a room that she can't get out of, although it usually takes her probably like an hour or two. Like if she locks herself in the bathroom at five in the morning, she doesn't start crying until six. And the only reason I know this is because I frequently don't notice or I'll kind of notice that the bathroom door, which is usually open, is closed, but I'll think that Lawrence is in there or something like that. Um, But this is Fanny's thing. Fanny is really now into closing doors frequently She closes the door of a room that she herself is in and then has no way of getting out. So I do need to let anybody who stays here know that that they have to like prop open the bedroom doors and close the bathroom door before leaving the house just to make sure. And when I say prop open, I mean like now we usually put um, something like, like a shoe or a dust buster or something like that in front of the door while it's open to keep it from being closable by a cat, basically. Um, And then the bathroom door, we just close. And then, you know, we want to give Fanny free access to the bedrooms. Um, She doesn't need to be in the bathroom and it's just easier to to just close that door than to prop it open. Um, I'm not really sure what this is about. Again, Fanny will eventually become perturbed. Uh, uh, she, She does seem to be aware that she is shutting herself in and that she doesn't really know how to get out. At least it has happened to her enough times where she's been upset about not being able to get out um, that I would think she would have learned it by now. But she is very deliberately closing the doors. I mean, I've seen her do this. She she gets up on her back legs and she puts her front paws onto the door and then uses her weight to push it closed. It is a very deliberate thing that she is doing. Fanny does like quiet, and I feel that sometimes this is her way of letting us know that we're just being too loud. Usually when she's locking me into the dressing room, it's because I'm running the sink or using my hairdryer or making some kind of a noise, um, as opposed to like just putting, you know, quietly putting on makeup or something like that. Um, I think it's Fanny's way as as Fanny's getting older I, I think she's getting a little crankier she's more like uh, like like the mean old lady who's always yelling at everybody on the street to keep their music down I, I think that that might be what is happening to Fanny I'm not sure but this is something else that we have had to let our friend's daughter know to be on the lookout for 
while she is staying here. Yeah, so we are going away, and it's very exciting. And I went to see the chiropractor yesterday. I go now to the chiropractor at least once a week. Uh, we are working on my my back issues, and I am working with a physical therapist on some core strengthening exercises and things like that to help support my lower back. Um, I am a little, a little, little bit trepidatious about getting onto a plane and go, you know, plane, I mean, planes are just miserable for your back. Maybe not if you're sitting in first class. Um, but certainly for, for those of us in coach and, and not even premium economy. This is, uh, we are going coach. Again, this is a last minute trip. We took what we could get as far as plane tickets goes. And it's fine because it is a short enough flight to the Caribbean from here. It's not like when we flew 12 hours back from Jerusalem. Um, but. I, you know, it was a little bit nervous about my back. So I saw my chiropractor yesterday and everything is, is feeling good. And yeah, it is just so good to be out of bed and, and not stuck there with my back problem. Um, and thank you so, so much, by the way, to everyone who has made a point of, of dropping me a line or reaching out or, or letting you know that you, letting me know that you empathize with that experience. And, you know, I've certainly heard from many of you who have your own chronic conditions and, and illnesses. And it really, you know, I always say that that getting older is, is just the absolute worst thing in the world, except for the alternative. And that is what I keep telling myself as these little problems continue to to crop up as I um as my husband so kindly puts it, continue to barrel into middle age. <laughs> that 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 is what he describes me as. I am barreling into middle age. Uh, my husband can only Lawrence can only get away with saying that because, of course, he is nearly nine years older than I am. So wherever I am currently barreling, he has certainly barreled first. Um, I suppose it is indisputable that I am barreling deeper, ever deeper into. I mean, I guess late middle age. At this point, um, at what point are you past middle age? I'm in my 50s now. Is it 60 or is it 65? At one point, or are you just a senior? I I don't know. <laughs> I am, I guess, still on the right side of that line, but but ever less so as the days go by. Uh, but fortunately, my back has recovered. I'm I'm very very happy about that. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to to getting away. And it's good. We're only going to be gone for three days, so it is not a very long trip. I think it'll be good to remind the cats because we we haven't, you know, the the last year, um, the last two trips that I've taken, and they were spread far apart, but they were longish trips. Uh, one was 15 days, and one I was gone for almost three weeks. Lawrence came home before a week before I did. Um, but I was almost gone for three weeks. And, and I realized that none of those are, are a very long trip. But for a cat like Clayton, who's used to having somebody around all the time, it, it can be, it can be a long time. I, and, and for Fanny too, Fanny again does like a lot of attention from us and not from other people. And I can always tell by the greeting we get when we walk in the door that she is very happy that, that we are back. Um, this is a short trip though, and and I think it's it's a good good to remind the cats that not every time we walk out the door with a suitcase is it going to be a long and grueling trip. It's not going to be a two week ordeal for the two of them. 
Um, and it's also nice to be going on such a short trip and just have to worry about a carry-on bag and and not checking a big suitcase or anything like that. And we are just bringing like a couple pairs of shorts and a couple of bathing suits and some flip-flops. And that is it. And it should be very, very nice. And on that note, I am going to go hastily throw some things into a bag because, of course, I have left packing for pretty close to the last minute while I tied up some work. Um, Just to kind of follow up on the stuff that I was talking about in last week's podcast and the new editions of Homer's Odyssey and Love Saves the Day that will be coming out soon. I am still waiting to get the final paperwork from my publisher. My agent has assured me that it will come, that the deals are are done, that they are not going to go back on them. But of course, I'm really only going to 100% believe that when I actually have signed contracts in my hand. So hopefully by the next time we speak, I'm knocking on some wood here. Hopefully that paperwork will have landed, although publishers move slowly, so I'm not holding my breath, but uh, but I guess we will see. But I will keep you apprised as events unfold. And again, you can check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Gwen Cooper, for information on how you and your cats can see your names featured in both the, in the new editions of Love Saves the Day and of Homer's Odyssey. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye and thank you so much for listening. And please don't forget to join me again next week. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.